Wonder Thing Studios proudly presents the Roundtable Podcast, episode 95. Hello, literary alchemists. I'm Katie Brisky. And I'm Dave Robison. And you've tuned into the Roundtable Podcast. On the Roundtable Podcast, we invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. And then we dig into it, we turn it upside down, we flip it around, we x-ray it, see it multicolors, we see it in black and white, we see it with every lens we can throw on it. We dive into it, exploring what works and what doesn't, trying to transform the raw idea into literary Gold. <laughs> bringing out my baritone voice for this. Indeed, yo. nicely done, nicely done. And and I, I think your Dave. I think your recent experiences with uh, uh, crossing the border actually influenced some of your some of the metaphors that you were invoking. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the airport I came through on the Canadian side doesn't have the the scanner thingy, <laughs> but. <laughs> lot of lenses and again i feel like i barely got here in one piece oh uh, yes but the important piece did arrive and that is that wonderful brain and that wonderful heart uh, uh that we are so grateful to have on ma'am thank you so much coming back great 20 minutes with fabulous conversation and 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 now a brainstorm this this is heaven it, it must be christmas I think it was actually. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. And God bless our guest host who decided to actually come back after that mayhem of seven days ago. Dear friends, please welcome back to the big chair here at the round table for a fabulous brainstorm to come. Aaron M. Evans. Aaron. The conversation was fabulous. I am deeply, deeply excited to to brainstorm a story with you, especially under all the circumstances that we're dealing with here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for making the time to to joining us in the froth, ma'am. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think so, too. Oh, I think it so will too. be. It's going to be something. <laughs> it's it's going to be something, and it's going to be magical. I don't know how. It's a mystery, but it always works. That's so, art. It is. It's art. It's magic. Art and, can't be stopped. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> Nor should it be. Nor should it be. Aaron, before we dive into this real quick, uh, Holy Smokes, book five of the, the, the Brimstone Angels series just launched a couple of weeks ago. Fabulous. Uh, you have said already that you're going to keep writing these things until <laughs> Watsi says, no, stop. We can't take anymore. Uh, uh, what, what's coming up for you? What's coming up in the world of, of Aaron M. Evans? Well, like you said, I, uh, Ashes of the Tyrant just came out, uh, so that's book five. I'm also working on book six, which will close off um, sort of the major arcs of, of this series. Uh, it's called The Devil You Know, so it'll be out next fall. It's a little frantic. Um, I had a baby <laughs> two weeks. I had a baby just a couple weeks ago, so I'm a little <laughs> adult. Yeah, and yeah, I've got a couple other short stories and some anthologies coming out. One for um, Shadow of the Demon Lord, which is a pretty cool RPG game where the world is going to end because of a horrible creature called the Demon Lord, which is it's very fun. <laughs> the apocalypse is always fun yes. there should be humor in the apocalypse absolutely <laughs> what about conventions any any plans to to make the rounds oh, so my convention plans are on hold until uh miss little it, my baby it's he mr e is a uh, is a little bigger because 
that, that's probably prudent. He's, he's got to come come with me everywhere. I'm still I'm trying to convince my husband that he wants to come and bring uh, the older kid to to um, to Gen Con. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I I think I could, I could manage with the baby theoretically, but I my older son who I call Tiny Mr. I on the internet, uh, would never, ever forgive me for taking his brother and not him. He's been trying to convince me to take him to Gen Con for a couple years now. <laughs> well, and what a fabulous father-son bonding experience, just going through the right? dealer's room. Holy smokes. Come on, Kevin. You know you got to do that. this, man. Don't touch that. No, no, we're not buying that. No, we're not buying that. <laughs> <laughs> My kid's crazy about, about board games, so it would be, he, he would be in heaven. Given his parenting, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I'll make sure that gets into the liner notes. Katie, what about you, ma'am? Uh, what, what's coming up on your radar? Your God, between, between let's see, symphonies and audio dramas and novels and short stories and, and Stone Coast, you've got so much going on. What's coming up? Uh, I graduate in January from Stone Coast. Yes. So probably by the time this episode drops, I will have my diploma in hand and I will officially be a master. Ooh, Master Katie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got um, a short story coming out with daily science fiction. I don't know when, but okay. soonish. All right. Um, a few novels in the hopper um, and... I'm, I will find out in March if I've gotten my grant from the Ontario Arts Council to do my one-woman audio drama. Ooh, what's the, mm-hmm. what, what's the, what's the theme of the audio drama? It's actually kind of cool. So I've taken um, five traditional Canadian folktales and one that I made up that sounds like it's a traditional Canadian folktale. <laughs> and I smashed them together to create one mostly cohesive greater narrative. Ooh. So it's a combination storytelling cycle, audio drama, Historical, and cultural, history. You see why I went to the Ontario Arts Council I it. do, it I seemed, do. It seemed like a good fit. Um, so they say if it's your first time and you've left something out or you've done something horribly wrong, they will get in touch with you. And I submitted it several months ago and they've not done that. So I assume everything was okay. We see if we get the monies. That would be fabulous. And when would you find out about that? I'll find out in March. So <sighs> if they give us the money, we will start recording in April. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yes. Keep us in the loop on that. That sounds fascinating. And you've got a few stories and novels to keep you busy between now and then. Very cool. And uh, uh, conventions for you, ma'am? Any plans? I may go up to CanCon in October up in Uh Ottawa. Okay. Um, it's to see to see our, our new mutual friend, Mahri Bido. Indeed. But I haven't decided yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm just finished paying off my MFA. I may need to take a break for a year. <laughs> Indeed. Let's see. Aaron just had a baby. You just had a degree. Uh, I think both of you have earned a, a brief respite in your in your various achievements and accomplishments because both of those are are incredible beyond description. Well done, both. So well, all of that goodness gets into the liner notes, I promise, so that so that our listeners can can stay on top of that and track you as your your marvels move out into the world. But for now, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take a pause, just a, just a brief pause, uh, uh, and give some podcast airtime to a, to another podcast or an ebook or a Kickstarter, some some fabulosity happening out in the podosphere. And when we come back, Katie, Aaron. I would love to brainstorm a story with you. Are you down with that? I am totally down for that. Oh, yeah. 
Booyah! We, we are in agreement on this end, friends. So don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, there lived a witch named Alba. I'm afraid chiropractic isn't covered for centaurs. Who had an apprentice called Magnus. Your neighborhood is full of smug, smart-ass woodland creatures, and they all hate me. And a fairy assistant named Holly. The team that cares! The team that heals! Together! And together, they tended to the king. I will not live with snakes on my head. The queen. Oh. Dare you address me like that? And all the people of the little kingdom of Farloria. I want a test for fatsoplasia. Alba, I think I have the plague! The plague, you say? Alba Salix's Royal Physician. A fairy tale comedy for the ear from Forgery League. Visit forgeryleague.com. Just fill out this patient information form and Alba will see you in a minute. Welcome back, dear friends, and now we get down to the business at hand, the meat and potatoes and the dessert, all rolled into one, the story brainstorm. And that doesn't happen without a bold and courageous, a creative and courageous guest writer stepping forth bravely and setting the table for our storytelling feast. And dear friends, our guest writer is an audio engineer based in Madison, Wisconsin, and since the age of 12, he has been enamored with music, composing and recording everything from laid-back folk music to the heaviest of heavy metal, and just about everything in between. Now, recently, he was bitten by the audio drama bug, and amidst the throes of his passionate pursuits therein, produced The Fall, an epic tale of angels versus demons, which is currently in the production phase for season two. And now, his storytelling curiosity has led him to us. Dear friends, please welcome to the writer's chair here at the round table, Dane Leonardson. Dane, dude, I know you're new at this. I know that there's there's terror in your heart. If you if there wasn't, you'd be doing this wrong. So, dude, hats off, kudos, and much respect for the bravery and courage it takes to bring your baby up for scrutiny. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's very nerve-wracking, but it's just an absolute honor to be on the show <laughs> that you guys would just, you know, give up so much time and... With uh, everything going on with your lives. See, s- secret insider information here, Dane. We love this shit, so it's not a problem. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> so, real quick, before we get into the pitch, tell us—you know—give us the elevator pitch for the fall. What's the fall about? The fall. I basically, since I was a kid, I've always thought, you know, in the Bible they mention briefly that Lucifer started out as an angel and God kicked him out. And it's like, wow, isn't that kind of a huge deal? Why wouldn't they have more about it Need in the Bible? more chapters you know? on that, yeah. They're just like, anyways, let's talk about Adam and Eve. And it's like, no, no, go back. I want to hear about this amazing epic battle of angels versus demons, you know? And uh, so I took it upon myself. I eventually realized, man, I can make an audio drama. I have the skill set. I just, it never occurred to me. So wow. just in the past three months, I have made an entire season. I mean, it's not a long season or anything, but I made a season and it's been just an absolutely amazing experience. Outstanding. I've got some background in audio drama too, so I I can affirm the awesomeness of creating something that, 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 that fills the uh, listeners ears and imagination. Do you have a URL just real quick? You can toss out for people that want to follow up on that. Yes. If you go to SoundCloud, it's actually, if you type in the fall audio drama, 
So it would be, I believe, soundcloud.com slash the fall audio drama. Awesome. So. Very cool. And I know I know our listeners, they're geeks and nerds. They'll figure that out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, all right. Guys, don't do that right now. Go ahead and type it in, but don't don't hit the send button yet because we got business with Dane here. Dane, you know how this works. We give you five to eight minutes. You give us the title and the genre and the audience of the story. Give us a tagline. Uh, uh, give us some any of the themes that you're trying to explore in your story to introduce us to the world, to the characters. Give us some basic story tent poles, and we will be off to the races, man. I'm I'm done talking i'm getting out of the way the sir the mic is all yours thank you very much all right so this story is not polished per se but it is definitely a great starting point i believe <laughs> so let's start off with the title and the genre it's a uh, a post-apocalyptic thriller called surface and the hook line is a young engineer leaves behind everything he has known and must battle his uncertainty in a dangerous new world his past chasing grievously behind him the theme of this story is the path to finding one's purpose despite the discouragement encountered along the way now as far as the world goes the story takes place in a post-apocalyptic montana near the year 3000 Nuclear holocaust has mutated the earth and its creatures. The last remaining humans live in an underwater facility deep in the mountain reservoir. Technological advance has been the main focus of the underwater community for hundreds of years, resulting in a society of innovative yet calloused individuals. Massive underground machinery makes life possible for these people, and no one has been to the surface in approximately 300 years. The community is composed of a few thousand people, all of which are tested as children and assigned functions within the facility. There is a monarch who determines all rules and guidelines for those who reside there, and failure to obey will result in banishment. The body of water in which the facility resides is Fork Peck Lake, Montana, a reservoir along the Rocky Mountain foothills. Which brings me to the characters. The main protagonist is Kai McKinley, who is a cocky yet conflicted engineer and is considered the most talented at his craft. Kai excelled at a very young age and even helped experienced engineers with many projects before the age of 10. He was fast-tracked through the engineering program and became the youngest chief engineer in the history of the facility. Kai is conflicted with the feeling of constraint and struggles with following orders. His boredom and wanderlust leaves him feeling confused and often leads him into trouble. This is tolerated due to his superior intellect and natural ability. Kai has developed a strong relationship with his assistant chief engineer and secondary protagonist, Cora Parker. Cora is the only person that can keep up with Kai's incredible level of intellect. She is deeply in love with Kai, although she has never revealed this to him. Cora is highly trained in both the use and construction of advanced weaponry, and she leads the team in charge of weapons development. She has personally developed a series of weapons based on the power of sound waves. She considers them to be her crowning achievement. Cora is extremely sarcastic and tends to rub those who don't understand her the wrong way. She uses her sarcasm to avoid conflict and conversations of a serious nature. She also uses it to keep Kai's ego in check. Cora has difficulty trusting people due to the complex relationship she has with her father, Atticus Parker who is the main antagonist. Atticus Parker is the monarch of the underwater facility. He didn't earn his position, he was born into it. 
His family headed and designed the creation of the facility, and command of the structure has been handed down through their bloodline ever since. Atticus is vastly charismatic and rarely has to face an opposing opinion, except for that of his daughter. He tends to micromanage to an extreme, but does so in a way that makes it seem like he deeply cares for the individuals under his command. When it comes down to it, Atticus is a maniac, and would much rather retain control of his subordinates than give them an opportunity for a better life. He is extremely controlling and manipulative, and although he does care deeply for his daughter, retaining power is his only goal. Atticus once had a wife, but banished her when she started questioning the system of leadership that was in place. This drove a wedge between he and his daughter, and is the cause for Cora's intense mistrust. Which brings me to the story. After hundreds of years living isolated deep beneath the reservoir's surface, the underwater facility's oxygen level has begun to drop. Atticus is forced to send a small team of engineers to the surface to repair the oxygen filtration system. He sends Kai and his team to the surface with explicit orders to fix the machinery and return immediately to the facility. Kai reaches the surface, only to be overwhelmed by beauty. His first breath of chilly mountain air makes him realize just how much he's been missing. He and his team fix the filtration system and return to the facility. Kai immediately meets with Atticus and requests permission to return to the surface. Atticus refuses and orders that Kai be kept in a holding cell. Cora, infuriated with her father, breaks Kai out of his cell, and they both escape to the Earth's surface. Once they arrive, they face the cruel reality of survival without shelter in the shadow of many predators waiting in the distance. And that's what I have so far. I know it's more of just a launching point, but I think okay. we can work with it. I, I, yeah, definitely. There's, there's, there's definitely good story food here. So... Uh, I'm I'm curious, Dane, what are you hoping to get out of the next eh, 45 minutes or so of brainstorming for this story? Well, like I said, you know, it's I have not really been a writer for long. I'm more of a musician and I just got the like you said, I got bit by the bug <laughs> of audio drama. And uh, so okay. basically, this isn't something that I've really had in my mind for years and years like a lot of your guests have, I'm sure. Okay. Um, this is more of just like. A little quick idea that I thought you guys would, I mean, what better place to bring a story like this than with you guys? Indeed. indeed. Now, are, you, are, we, are we talking novel here? Or are you talking about adapting this in for audio drama? This is going to be an audio drama as well, yes. Okay, yeah. that's important that's to helpful. know. That's yeah. helpful to know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I probably should have said that earlier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. There's there's definite story food here. I've got ideas. I know Aaron and Katie do as well. Uh, but before we dive into that, we need to cover our ass. Katie, would you be so kind, ma'am? I would be delighted. <clears throat> Dane, you are about to experience a veritable deluge of ideas, insights, and inspirations. It's important you realize that everything said from this point forward by Dave, by myself, by Aaron, might be brilliant and or it might be complete and utter bullshit. So this is your story and you decide what to use and what to cast aside. Cool? It's fine by me. 
Awesome. Excellent. Yes. Then I, Dave, I think we are covered. We can proceed. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> we, 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 we are completely unaccountable for anything that happens after this point. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into this. And we always start off with a quick once around the table to give just some quick first impressions and, and define some of the talking points for later on in the brainstorm, ask some questions uh, uh, to, for clarification. We always start with our guest host. So Aaron, if you would be so kind, start us off. What are your first impressions of Dane's story pitch and idea? And what questions do you have to clarify some things? So I definitely think this, this does feel like a launching off point. There's some quite, I'm really curious. I feel like the, what the conflict is, um, and especially if you're thinking about it as an audio drama, sort of, we were talking last time about um, different kind of arcs that, that move through. So I assume it's going to be, it'll, it'll fill out similarly where you have sort of episodic arcs and, and larger arcs. Um, and so, so thinking about how those will fit into each other, I'm sort of curious about how the apocalypse went down and sort of what the, the vestiges of that are. And I have a lot of questions I want to ask about the, the culture and the, and the structure and things like of the, of the city and things like that. Let's dive into that then. You know, we we try to keep this quick, but I think you're right, Aaron. I think understanding that culture and understanding that apocalypse, if 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 Dane has anything for us, I'd like to hear it. If not, we can put a pin in it and start brainstorming it later. Dane, what have you got on the apocalypse? What do you have on the culture in this subterranean or underwater facility? I'm thinking that it would definitely be from nuclear warfare. And uh, the reason why they chose Montana is because it's more, there's not many people and therefore there's going to be less fallout being way up in the mountains and all that. And um, as far as the culture goes, they're going to be extremely technologically advanced, almost to the point of sci-fi, space sci-fi, you know. And um, I think they're really like emotionless. They're, they base everything off of hardcore facts and science and research and they've lost their touch with art and feelings, almost like I'm not sure if anybody has seen, well, even the book Fahrenheit 451, mm-hmm. where it's like art is almost shunned. And it's going to be that sort of a feeling where this guy is going up to the surface and he's seeing all this beauty and he's overwhelmed by it. And they're like trying to cage that emotion. They're like, you should yeah. not be feeling this, you know, sort okay. of thing. All right. That gives us, Aaron, does that give you a, a foundation to build on or, or some alternative ideas to explore? It does. I have sort of, I don't know if this is, this is where you generally go. I have a sort of a list of questions to ask around the, um, Oh, bring them. The city and stuff like that. Oh, that, well, so like, for example, you talked about how Cora specialized in weapons, but the city is isolated. So I'm curious, what are the weapons for? Right. <laughs> I had the same like, question. Me yeah. too. <laughs> Why do um, they need and weapons? Then, and I mean, that might be something along the lines of there's, you know, what the what the leadership tells them, what they're they're sort of pushed towards. But but then I think you have to loosen up a little bit on the idea of them being really emotionless because that's that's trading entirely in fear, right? If people are going to be logical about this, they're going to say, well, for three hundred, it's three thousand. It was it was the year three thousand, right? So for you know a thousand years or five hundred years, we haven't had any interaction with a, somebody, do we really need to be putting our resources into this? Which is sort of the other question, where are the resources coming from? Right. If they're uh, going to be doing research, where, where do they find the raw materials to build all this stuff? Yeah. And, and the other thing is to think about what the origin, what the people who started it uh, are like, because I think that that will sort of seed that structure. So like, 
I, I, I'm really curious how a group of people who are, I assume, American, um, led to having a, a monarchy because we tend to be really like bristly about that sort of thing. We don't like the idea of <laughs> people not earning what they what they get. Um, and so it can happen. It's just sort of like what what things might have come in between that led to that, um, or is that a detail that that is really serving you best? Dane, any right. comments? Well, there's definitely holes in the logic of the entire story, and I okay. I realized that before I even pitched it. That's part <laughs> of the reason why I you know I brought it to you guys. But um, mostly the weapons wouldn't even be considered weapons per se at first. They would be more like oh for hunting and going out and getting fish or whatever you have there but for they don't mining. Go out, do they? I mean, this oh, is they the go first out time? underwater. But oh, they'd okay. never go to the surface. Okay. Like the surface is forbidden. Okay. And as far as the second question, I was also thinking that they would have at the bottom of this facility almost like a mine that they would uh, they would go underneath and mine for resources. And another thing is it's like I want it to be so sci-fi that they almost have technology that can create resources. Whoa, okay. So it's going to be like very futuristic, but which begs the question: Why are they still underwater? But yeah, why haven't we? We can explore that. We, I mean, that's that's a question we can answer that through the brainstorm. Okay, and then the last question that Aaron had, I think, was was how did we how did we resort to a dictatorship? How did we go from democracy to dictatorship? Right, right, and it wasn't. It's not necessarily that they're thinking, man, this is a monarchy. It's this guy is a leader and his family built this facility and he controls them through manipulation and they don't even really realize it. So this is a new situation. It hasn't been that way all along. No, it was just, it was naturally, it's sort of run like a company where there's a CEO. Like I want it to be sort of like, this was a research facility beforehand and now the ceo is kind of the leader of this community now okay okay we can play with that any other questions Aaron? oh no i'm good for now okay (laughs) (laughs) katie what about you first impressions and any questions for dane yeah um i like the character relationships that you've developed so far i think there's ample ground for interpersonal conflict which i quite like alongside Aaron. um Okay, I just want to make sure that I've got the timeline right in my head. So it is currently the year 3000, but they haven't ventured to the outside world in 300 years. Right. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. So basically, this apocalypse, whatever it did, it happened around 2700 then. Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. All right. All right, that is helpful. Um, So something that kind of struck me is what have they been told about the outside world? Because 300 years in... We are several generations past the last people who actually saw it. So this is actually a two-part question. What have they been told is going on out there? Like, do they think it's some horrible, desolate wasteland full of scary mutants? Are there myths about the time before? Um, I'm just thinking as they're going up to the surface, like what kind of headspace would Kai be in about that? And let me piggyback one more question onto that. If they've got this incredible high tech and this happened at 2700, why don't they have drones going out there telling them exactly what's going on outside? Or do they have drones going up there telling them exactly what's going on? And then we're getting into a bit more maybe than I wanted. But yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What do they know about the top side, Dane? Well, I think that would be an awesome idea to have drones going up to the top. And that's one of the reasons I'm here. I, 
eat up these ideas, that would be amazing. And um, as far as the them staying away from the surface, it's I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the storyline of the video game series called Fallout. But they live in a vault, and it's the same thing. There was a nuclear holocaust that happened. And um, there's a guy named the Overseer who kind of controls this community. And they are scared for their lives to leave the vault, is what it's called. And um, that's kind of the direction I'm going with it. He, They have the ability to get out of there, but everybody is too scared for their own lives to go to the surface because they think it's just a wasteland of death. We can play with that. We can totally. Um, and in terms of kind of the resources were, so you'd said very briefly, it was a research facility before. So, so, okay. So, so going back to the origins of the apocalypse, though, was it like, how sudden was it? I guess I know you're, you're thinking nuclear apocalypse. But was it like a political situation deteriorating for several years? So maybe people were actually starting to put resources together to create like, I don't know, a safe vault, like an underwater bomb shelter. Or was it a thing that just boom happened? We've got whatever we have right now this second. I definitely want it to be to where the the founders of this facility saw it coming and then started converting this underground facility into a more livable space. Okay, cool. that, That I think would help. A lot with some of the logistical holes. Right. And right. that speaks yeah. back to Aaron's Very question about the, the, the founders and what their intent was in the creation of the facility in the first place. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Katie? Uh, yeah, but I think, I think I'm starting to echo some of the things that have already been brought up. So I'll pass the mic over to you. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. I, uh, Dane, I love me a good post-apocalyptic story. Uh, uh, there's, there's a soft spot in my heart for it and, and combining the, the aquatic, uh, uh, underwater aspect to it, I think is a nice twist because you've got that oppressive water all around you. Death. If, if somebody pokes a hole in a wall type of thing, uh, without having the, the confines of space out there, there, it's just water, but it's still, that's cool. I think that's a nice conceit, uh, uh, to build around. Um, I'm curious about Kai. Uh, what happened to his parents? That's, uh, I have no idea. Okay. That's one of the things it's like, I need some, I understand my characters are very underdeveloped and really just kind of vanilla. Yeah. We need to keep them. We need to, we need to give him parents, uh, uh, either with a backstory or, or something, but having, cause right now he has no connection to the facility. Uh, right. uh, there's literally when he goes upstairs, you know, when you describe it, he smells the air, this is awesome. My first question is why the hell does he not just keep going? Why does mm-hmm. he go back? He has nothing to hold him there. So we need to tie to tie Kai. Yes. That's what we need to do. <laughs> tie Kai. Yes. We need to tie Kai intimately somehow to this facility and make him care about it uh, uh, to, to temper his cocky swagger with something a little more something that he cares about uh something that's important to him that can only be found here otherwise he's gone he's out of here uh right uh, so there was that uh why why haven't they gone up in 300 years i mean so what the oxygen level drops is that sounds like a MacGuffin. uh uh, was that just something to get people out of the building or is there some sort of plot tie-in that for that oxygen level dropping that is relevant in some way well, I was going to have it to where there's a oxygen filtration system that's on the surface that they set up in such a way that it didn't need to be maintained. 
and that for some reason, like obviously they're going to have backup oxygen and things like that, but for some reason it's going to stop working and they they can't fix it unless they obviously send somebody to the surface. Okay. Or or bringing up your idea with the drones, what if they send a team up to the surface to recover one of their drones? Something like that. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. I'm I'm going to advocate for something a little more critical. Uh, uh, you know, and, and maybe the oxygen thing was just a cover story. Maybe there's something Atticus wants up there, uh, uh, and he's sending you know guinea pigs up there to the slaughter. Uh, maybe uh, it's the mutants. Maybe yes, the mutants exactly. We haven't uh, really touched on the mutants very much. But right. regardless, there needs to be a ticking clock on the downside as well. I think there needs to be some urgency in terms of a threat to the facility and to things that everyone holds dear so that all of these people can can have a higher higher stakes in in the conflict and i think refining that conflict exploring that will be a big help the the last point that i want to toss out in this opening bit is i'm not a big fan of nuclear armageddon uh uh it's kind of right. been done a lot uh i'm going to toss out alien invasion uh, uh, as as a wow. possible catastrophic event, uh, with the possibility, you know, maybe we won, but in doing so, we scorched the Earth or something, you know, like like out of the Matrix, and maybe the aliens are still up there. Maybe they've mutated. Who knows? Uh, uh, wow, and maybe yeah. maybe the drones, you know, they sent up the drones to fix the air filters like they always do, but they didn't come back. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. I mean. That's possibilities that's, are endless. That's yeah. that's my starting point. Okay, so initial thoughts out of the way. Aaron, where do you want to start? Where where do you want to dig in? Character, culture, uh, uh what what's your, what's your starting point for this? Well, I think talking about the conflict and and the sort of the, the ways you can build the story off of that seems like a good, you know, meaty part to jump in on. I agree. I agree. What do you what, let, let's talk about Atticus. Uh uh, uh right now kind of a for me, kind of kind of a cardboard villain. Uh, uh, wants control, wants always to be in control, arrogant, swaggering, and anything I say uh, uh, is 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 right, anything you say is wrong, to the point that he even banishes his own wife with absolutely no consequences. Oh, uh, you know you know what I would love to see? Please. If if that's the setup, but it turns out the wife is like the villain. Like yes. she's been banished and there's a good reason. <laughs> like, oh man, like, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Right? Because I'll tell you, I love a I love a villain who's on the surface, you're like, that person is terrible, but you get to know them a little bit and you can kind of understand why they do what they do. Even if you wouldn't do it yourself, you can right. put yourself in their shoes. And actually it's even better if you're like 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 you're kind of going along with it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I just agreed to genocide. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, Almost the like path. the movie, The Watchmen. At the end, you're thinking, this guy had a pretty good reason for killing mil- millions of people. And then you're like, wow, did I just agree to that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Grace of God go I, right? Yeah. Right. So, so basically I, what you're saying then, Aaron, is that Atticus banished his wife because he couldn't kill her. That, yeah, that her exactly. that her her crime was so heinous he should have, but because he's such a good guy, he couldn't bring himself to do it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Except, <laughs> well, except if he's sending her up to the desolate wasteland of the surface with mutants running about, is that really that much better? Ooh, well, ooh. I don't think it's better necessarily, but it, it, I think for a certain kind of character, it's this mm. sense of like I've absolved myself. I didn't kill yeah, her. Yeah, I watched. I don't have to feel bad. Oh. Yeah, I don't have to feel bad. She totally had a chance. 
No, yeah, no, no, okay, better. No, I, I think that works. Better. Thank she you. was imprisoned and she escaped. And Atticus is the only one who knows that she escaped. And this whole pretense of going up to the top is to actually go and find her and bring oh, her back. Like, so everyone else, go. yeah, because um, especially oh, if it's all better. about being like really rigid political stuff, if he admits that he's got a prisoner that just somehow escaped, that's huge. Yes, um, his, his power base is weakened, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody Definitely. knows that they've been giving this cover story. And if it's her mother... Um, maybe, I don't know if she gets like to visit her or whatever, but maybe oh. suddenly, suddenly they start kind of dense, like, oh, oh, you know, not, not right now, not today. So she's got suspicions anyway. God, maybe Cora helped break her out. <gasps> maybe, wow. maybe. That would, be a, that would be a great, like, mid book twist. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yes, and also, yes, exactly. And also, if there's a romantic thing between, uh, Kai and Cora. And he realizes she has helped this horrible super villainess escape. That's a huge wedge between the two of them, too. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, I'm yeah. kind of overwhelmed right now. And then, and then <laughs> super, super unnamed villainess. I like it. You know, and maybe, maybe her crime, uh, uh, maybe. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put this out there. Shoot it down as complete bullshit if you, if, if it is. But maybe she was colluding with. Nobody knows if the alien, and again, I'm going with my aliens thing. I don't know if you like that or not, but I'm going to run with it. Maybe, you know, nobody knows that there are aliens up there, but she did. And she started colluding with them in, in, in conspiring against the facility somehow. Atticus finds out and, and imprisons her. Uh, uh, and now she's, I forget where I was going with this crap. That's the problem with my brain right now. That could be really cool though. Cause then you have like, well, you know, she thinks, you know, maybe, maybe someone, maybe Cora frames it as, oh, well, she thinks that, that they can help us. We can be on the same side now. And Atticus is like, no, she's brainwashed and yeah. it's not even her anymore. It's like an alien yeah. in her head and you don't know. Right. Or maybe she's like really just super evil and she's figured out a way to manipulate the alien mutants. And no right. one, and right. even the reader won't know. I mean, Atticus has drawn his conclusions, but maybe his wife was right. Maybe, you know, maybe it requires like a, like a human evolutionary step that adequate Atticus wasn't ready to take because of his, you know, racial purity, whatever. And, 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 <laughs> right. and the only way for humanity to survive is to embrace these aliens who actually weren't here to invade <laughs> us at all, but rather save us from a larger threat that we go into <laughs> in season two. And and the, oh, and, the and the end game is is the final resolution that these aliens who we've heard about all along have been bad 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 big reveal they're not so bad they're here to help uh, uh, Atticus was a douchebag because he didn't follow through but he's still a good guy just misplaced uh, loyalties just misguided yeah Mis exactly uh, uh, and and now we've all got to get our shit together and oh god we need more under underwater facilities. Uh, uh, because we need to, we need to rally the troops because the bigger threat is coming in, in, in season two. Wow. <laughs> this is Drop amazing. The mic. <laughs> oh man. So where do we go from here? Holy crap. This has been epic. And, okay, and so what, what does Kai want? So we've, we've got yes, this like thank super you. villainous. We've got, we've got the bigger, broader conflict, I think, but looking very specifically at the character of Kai, like what is driving him through all of this? Yeah. Yeah, Part of me says you you don't even need Kai. Like this is Cora's story almost. Yeah, it's almost so he needs something superfluous. He, yeah, other than than arm candy, really. Maybe he's Definitely. the sidekick. Maybe he's the <laughs> maybe side he protagonist. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, maybe Cora's our our girl. 
Uh, it sounds That's fine like by me too. It sounds like because really all of the stakes, at least in in the in the arc that we've described and explored, the stakes and and the consequences are really on her shoulders. And it's really kind of cool because you know as you know a weapons expert, and I'm sure that you know if if they came down here under the assumption that they were under attack, there's going to be a military defense culture subculture in here that that needs to be fostered for defense against the aliens so she's been indoctrinated in this and also she's got both her parents telling her two completely different things <laughs> yes the conflict in the yes. angst mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and so you've got you know act one is dad's story act two is mom's story act three is cora's story there you go there you go. Right. Exactly. Now, what is that story? How how does Cora, you know, so so act 1, we we are introduced to the facility, the culture there. Uh uh Cora uh learns, you know, we learn through Cora's explorations and discoveries and revelations that this is the backstory. We find mom, mom is in collusion with the aliens. The aliens aren't might not be bad, we don't know. Mom might still be a supervillainess. Uh, uh, you know, and and maybe you know circumstances, some kind of circumstance prevents Cora from from getting the whole story. Because we, I think it's important that that the the alien resolution be held off to the end. Yes. So something in Act Two, you know, the revelation of Mom, maybe a brief instance with Mom, and then what an attack by these other bad aliens that drives them apart and and threatens the facility. Right. Or maybe okay. if it's um, an evolutionary step, maybe she gets to see whatever it is in action. I don't know what it could be, but like if okay. it's some kind of mind thing or like psionic power thing, like I don't know where you want to go with it. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? What, what can we do for act two? There's, there's something that reminds me a little bit of this TV show that my husband watches called The 100. Okay. Not like, 100. Oh, yeah. it's not like, oh, it's the same, but there's, there's like elements that feel kind of similar that that maybe in in a a closer i don't i don't watch it i just he just recaps it occasionally (laughs) definitely Um, watched it Mm -hmm. yeah so like like that sort of sense of having these monstrous enemies that then you you encounter and you kind of see their perspective and and what they're what's really going on um so it does seem like although finding the aliens is sort of blurs in between act two act one act two because yeah i guess that's sort of finding out the well, what if we what if we weave in a little helix into this? What if what if part of the alien invasion was a, a, a kind of genetic mutation that the humans narrowly avoided for the most part, but some of them like there's this constant screening process that goes on down in the facility, and if you if you manifest this thing this this gene, this, 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 this next step. And you can't tell except in offspring, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen with the, with the people that are infected because it's such a, a light genetic alteration, but the children manifest differently. It sounds like one of those uh, genetic diseases where, you know, it's like only one in I don't know how many thousand, but like if both parents have the specific gene or the specific deletion or whatever, yeah. then that gets oh. passed on. So it's like um, genetic testing really. Yeah. And then maybe and Kai can... is a doctor. Maybe he's not an engineer. Maybe he's a genetic engineer. Mm. And that would give him, that would then give him a reason for, for, for having a stake in what's happening. Because if, if the alien 
engagement, if the, if the, if the, if the playing field where this alien conflict is, is taking place is in the human genome, then having somebody articulate in that would be good to have at least to explain what the fuck's going on. Right. Okay. So. And yeah, that'd be a really unique concept of even if they find out at the end that this one of these alien races is actually they were originally human. Maybe yeah. the aliens are the next step. Oh no, the aliens are humans. The yeah, aliens, right, right, right. The, the aliens that 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 uh, Atticus's wife is engaged with, everybody assumes they're aliens. They're not. But they're not. Oh, like they're right. the next. They're the next right. step, and then there's more aliens. Yeah, real aliens. Yes, exactly. So everybody assumes that these creatures walking around on the surface of the Earth are, are the aliens that attacked us, quote unquote, you know, centuries ago. They're not. They're the humans who were were corrupted or altered genetically to be prepared to deal with, you know, the destroyer of worlds. You know, we're not going there. Don't don't go Galacticus on us. No, uh, no. <laughs> but but you know this this alien race. The only way this species can survive is if you adapt and become this new species that can actually fight this this you know hive locust culture that's coming to eat your planet. Or even if um, this is just an idea, if the humans becoming these this new species basically, that's creating a conflict within humanity, and humans are fighting essentially themselves that are evolving and this other alien race has come down to try and quell this and explain and mediate on behalf of both and make the humans realize you know this is your race that's evolving here you're quite yeah and they find out at the end it's not the alien race that's the threat we are our own threat yeah or 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 our own salvation Right. Mm. And, and, and here's, here's my thought on it. I'm thinking, uh, uh, so let's go into, let's go into act three. Let's say in act three, uh, uh, the first wave of these bad guy aliens come in and the mutations aren't enough to hold them off. That somehow we need to find some way for the, and there's something about the humans that are in the world that, 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 you know, I'm kind of reaching here. What I'm looking for is, is, the, the alien solution is not the final solution. We need to find some way to allow the humans to continue as they go uh, uh, or find some sort of alteration that, that Kai or that Cora can broker and that Kai can facilitate uh, uh, to find this third option. You know, maybe oh, there's, know. there's some kind of like viruses yeah. that can actually alter your genetics and can like. Ooh. What if, because you want to go super sci-fi with this, right? What if there was some kind of like, I don't know, virus or thing that could actually alter your genetic code? So they're scrambling to try and get it. And maybe yes. it's not, maybe it doesn't even necessarily have to be something totally new. It's just that like they, the aliens showed up and they did this and it's only this little slice of humanity that took this on and they've had, you know, a thousand years to adapt to it. And now here's this other group and they're going to be completely boned when those aliens show up because they didn't take that mutation. It's yes. almost like they've it's almost like the the mutants, if you will, like they've got the vaccine. No one else has it. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. And, so we could use them though. They've they've got it though. They've got the genetic material. So if you had them, if you had interaction with them, you might be able to use some of their biological I don't know properties to create voodoo, some kind of <laughs> voodoo. voodoo yes hand yes, wavium yes hand wavium absolutely hand wavium 
Let's God. And, and when, I, what I love about this is that then the, it p- puts the solution in the hands of your main characters instead of it be coming from outside and coming from some sort of nebulous yeah. source. It puts it you know in their hands and lets them solve the problem. Exactly. And it ties in really nice with Dave's theme of they can also be their own salvation. Right? Yeah. Like I don't like the idea of having the aliens come down and hand wave them. You're saved, little humans. Ha ha. <laughs> um, I think the solution has to come from the humans themselves, no matter which one you end up choosing as your as your final solution. Right. Keep the right. agency in the hands of your protagonists and let them save the day, as as it were. Well, yeah. Just like when, say, America always gets involved in these conflicts overseas. It's not solving the base problem, which the people that live there themselves are going to have to solve. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and there's lots of wonderful metaphors that you can play in with this as far as, you know, imperialist policies and, and observations about war and, and conquest and empire, uh, uh, as well as, as culture and art and so on. There's, there's, there's a lot of food here. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm kind of watching the clock tick down, guys. I'm thinking maybe, Dane, was there anything else that you wanted to specifically to address? Uh, uh, or, or is your brain like full at this point? My brain is completely overwhelmed. And it's a, it's a good thing, I'm telling you. Our work is done here. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> well, let, let's go into the final stage and let's take one last turn around the table. Uh, uh, and, and give Dane some final thoughts, some, some ideas maybe that came up that you didn't get a chance to put out or, or just some, some guidance, help him write this, fill his pockets with literary gold so we can send him on his way. Aaron, we'll, we'll lead off with you, ma'am. Final thoughts and suggestions, guidance for master Dane. I think you've got a really cool story growing here. And, and I think the best thing you can do is to get in your heads of your characters and really, um, try and see this from from their perspective and how how it will change and grow. Because one thing I didn't mention in this was that when you talk about them reaching the surface for the first time and 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 how beautiful it is, like I, I was really struck by like what what would that actually be like if you've lived your whole life kind of enclosed and underwater and now all of a sudden you see something and it's completely alien. Yeah, a right? horizon. And the, right. The sky goes on. There's nothing above you. How terrifying <laughs> and awesome would that be? And yeah. I think that. The, the way that that is structured, if you stay really close in their, in their heads and, and keep this about those characters, you know, it's going to be a, a really fresh take on that. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm with you, Aaron. That moment in, in, as he was describing the story, that was, that was probably the most exciting moment yeah. of, of the whole pitch was that revelation. And, and I think drawing that out and attach, uh, attaching importance to that, I think, that's, I think that's a valid point. I actually built this entire story off of that one moment. I actually <laughs> wrote a song, kind of a, you know, a soundtrack. And that's what I envisioned is a guy coming to the surface for the first time and just being blown away. And then I was just like, man, let's run with this thing. There's a and story. And I think that tells you something. Yeah. Um, really okay, for me. Uh, so I know last week we were talking a lot about architecture. Yeah. Um, which I'm, I'm going to say, especially for an audio drama, dude, like, yeah, plot, plot your beats. Yeah. Um, and I also want you to think, Again, kind of bouncing off what Aaron said about really getting into your characters' heads. Think about what your characters want, and also think about what they need. Because often these are two different things. Um, what you want as a person versus what you actually need. And it's very common in these kind of dramatic structures where you have to give up what you want to actually get what you need in the end. Which was also tying in very nicely with some of Dave's themes. 
Yeah. That might be a fruitful avenue for you to venture down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, bu- right. Building that architecture within your characters, as, as mm-hmm. you were describing, Katie. Yeah, that's huge. And, and you know, I can see a lot of post-it notes in your future, Dane, with as you map out those various <laughs> And whiteboards. Whiteboards yes. are great. Whiteboards are awesome. <laughs> I'll have to make some investments. I think yes, so. Yes, you will. I think so. I can uh, hook you up. For myself, Dane, uh, uh, I'm... We, 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 we went out of the facility very quickly, uh, uh, and that's just yes. where the brainstorm led us. And I think that's awesome. Uh, uh, but something in, in our initial discussion kind of stuck in my head, and I'm just going to put it out here for my final thoughts, just as, as, as something to chew on as a possibility. Um, the stratas of culture within a facility like this could be much broader than were initially explored. Uh, uh, between, you know, if it's a genetic situation, then there's going to be an elitist class of physicians and doctors and so on. There's going to be the defensive core that that is going to be, you know, someday the aliens are going to come down and get us and we need to be ready. Uh, uh, And then you're going to have the miners and the resource acquisition people. You're going to have the food people. You're going to have the air people. You're going to have a a multifaceted community. uh, uh, And I think... And, and, and even though so much of the story takes place out there, you know, act one, I think, can really take place within the facility and articulating the diversity of the human experience, looking beyond Atticus's uh, 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 charismatic control issues, uh, uh, you know, maybe banishing his wife created a revolution. Maybe there was a schism that was created and there are people who are scheming against Atticus because he did that. Uh, even though it was probably the best thing to be done. Uh, so not allowing the, the everybody's, everything's fine, everybody's going to get along for 300 years in a tin can. No. Uh, uh, and having one guy hold that together? No, it doesn't fly. Have a diverse culture under there. Explore the, the, the facets of the human condition through that facility so when you do go up to the aliens, there's a template of comparison. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes complete sense. And even we could expand that to where the reason, you know, the reason why they have to leave maybe is because a revolution starts and it makes the facility yeah. basically unlivable. Untenable, like they have, everybody sure. has to escape. Yeah. Or, or yeah, that having that be a catalyst is, is, a, is a good point. Having it grounded in the, in the central characters is even better. Yeah. Awesome. Just so much to do. So, all right, Dane, here's the deal, the ongoing deal with the roundtable. You write this bad boy. Uh, finish this bad boy out. Produce it as an audio drama. Sell it to audible.com uh, uh, or, or however it goes out into the world. Once your vision is out there seeding people's imagination, you come back and you tell us, and we will knight you. We will make you a knight of the roundtable podcast. That's the deal. You down with that? Yep, now I have goals. Now, now there's a carrot dangling before you, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, well, Dane, dude, thank you. This uh, <laughs> That was probably one of the most explosive uh, and dynamic brainstorms we've had in a while here on the roundtable. That was that doesn't happen without cool story food. And and again, a salute to your, to your courage and, and your courageousness uh, uh, coming out and bringing this out, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was an absolute blast. It really was. It really yeah. was. And and Aaron, 
You know, long time ago when I first started this podcast, I realized I needed to bring veteran storytellers into the mix to infuse some some experience and some insight. And you have absolutely validated that choice today. Uh, it has been marvelous having you in this conversation. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Like, good luck, Dane. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. You. Definitely good luck. And Katie Brisky, my, my co-host from Canada, my Canadian co-host, uh, uh, and and again, <laughs> who braved horrors and, and certain death uh, uh, to be co-host for this episode. Ma'am, it's always a delight and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, always a pleasure to be here. And yes, good luck, Dane. I want to hear how this one turns out. Yeah, you and me both. And, and, when, yeah. you're ready, and when you're ready to cast it, with with voice actors oh i know a girl <laughs> you know a girl i know a guy uh uh we, we've got we've we got half of your story. cast right there <laughs> it's not me but yeah i'll, I'll pick you up <laughs> definitely sounds good definitely yeah. and as long as we're doling out gratitude dear friends i will say thank you to you uh for hitting that play button without you we're, we're four people on a skype line having an explosive awesome brainstorm uh, which is great fun in and of itself, but the whole reason we share these brainstorms with you is so that you can catch that creative spark and become en fuego with this same dynamic creative collaboration. If you're feeling the love, if, you, if you're on fire and you're going, God, this is awesome, you know, we will always welcome any sort of effort on your part to help share the round table with folks. Spread the word, share a Facebook post, a tweet, uh, or a review up on iTunes and as always, many thanks to those who have done so already. It's so appreciated. Uh, uh, wow. I, I'm spent. I'm exhausted. But in seven days, like a phoenix from the ashes, it starts all over again. Another guest host pouring wisdom into our ears. Another courageous guest writer coming to set the story table with a feast of a brainstorm. More roundtable goodness to be had by all. But it's seven days. I know. It's a long damn time. Katie, what can they do between now and seven days from now to make that time just just whiz by? The same thing we do every week, Dave. Right. We right. try to take over the world, but mostly right. <laughs> Thank you, Pinky. <laughs> no, you're Anytime. brain. I'm Pinky. I'm you're brain. brain. Yes. Nof. <laughs> Indeed, right. <laughs> Put your words out in the world. That's the only place where change happens. So write them down, share them, and put them out there. And I will tell you, as I always do, dear friends, you find what you're looking for. So look for that top shelf blue label goodness. Look for that lost present at the back of the Christmas tree. Look for the wow. And if you look for it, I promise you will find it. We'll see you in just seven days. Until then, you guys stay cool, stay frothy, and stay awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode of the Roundtable Podcast is copyright 2015 by Wonder Thing Studios and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means please don't sell it, but you can share it to your heart's content. You can even use portions of it in your own productions, as long as you release those productions under the same licensing terms and reference us as the source. Theme music for the Roundtable podcast was performed by the Hepcats of Brotown, Gary Gold, David Labroyer, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation or just learn more about us visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com.
roundtablepodcast.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast and on Twitter at writerspodcast. And you can always email us at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.